podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit News Special number 383. A very exciting day for July 12th, 2022. Hello, everybody. Leo Laporte here. Joining me, Rod Pyle, host of This Week in Space, editor-in-chief of the Ad Astra magazine, author of many space books, and a little boy who was so excited he had to get up at 4 a.m. today <laughs> because we are going to see images from the James Webb Telescope. Good morning, Mr. Pyle. Good morning. And how are you this good morning? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's early. It's early. It's 1030 in the East Coast. So, uh, you know, yeah. I guess NASA must be on East Coast time. But yeah. uh, but uh, this is really exciting. Now, we were a little worried because uh, President Biden yesterday uh, uh, jumped the gun and released one image. But I have to tell you, and by the way, John, go to the press conference as soon as it begins. It should begin in a couple of minutes. Um, I have to tell you, even that first image was very, very exciting. And Rod, you had some uh, excitement in particular because you have the image of the same region of the sky with the Hubble. Now, what is the re- first of all? What are we looking at? What is the region of the sky? Well, it's got the very unromantic name of SMACS zero seven two three. Smacks zero seven two three. Smacks zero seven two three. And as NASA put it yesterday, when when they were uh, attending the press conference with Biden and Harris. They pointed out that the region we're looking at there is the equivalent of holding a grain of sand at arm's length in terms of how much of the sky you're seeing. So that's just one little tiny bit. Everything you're seeing there is a galaxy. Wow. Wow. So the the bright objects in the foreground. The left is the Hubble and the right is the web. You could see that there are galaxies on the the web big time. I mean – yeah, they look like spiral galaxies, <laughs> you know, like what we think a galaxy looks like. And in that image on the right, um, yeah. so you see the bright objects in the foreground, which are presumably SMACS 0723, um, <laughs> which is a big high mass object. And so it's it's dense enough and has sufficient gravity that is bending light around it. So they're using a technique here called gravitational lensing, which we've talked about in the past. So those smeary worm-like objects that you see off to the right and the left of these bright center point of light are gravitationally magnified objects much more distant than the foreground. So in the foreground, you're looking at something that's about 4.6 billion years ago. According to Bill Nelson yesterday, there are other objects in there that are more than 13 billion years old. And remember, the universe is only about 13.7 billion years old. So those wormy objects are being magnified from way, way in the background, which... When it finally got through my skull, what I was looking at, I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) this is, you know, we're looking back at almost the beginning of time. This is just one of the first images. And and obviously, you know, they went for the goalpost image here to show how amazing this instrument is. And we'll be seeing a bunch more stuff more specific today. Shall I give you a little preview? Uh, well, in about 30 seconds, we're going to go, where are we going to go? Is this, uh, is this DC? Where are we, where are we going to, this is at, uh, Goddard Space Flight Center in, in, uh, Maryland, Maryland. And they're, they're overseeing the telescope. And, project. and who do we, who, who, uh, what are they, how do you expect, it's going to start in a few seconds. So I guess I, well, no point in yeah. So in the it, last half hour, they had a bunch of senators and Congress people on 
And yeah, we uh, skipped that part. Notice. Yeah, I mean they were thanking their district <laughs> and their tenacity yeah. and their perseverance and all that. And here we go. Yeah. Um, all right. This is very exciting. Sky watchers, this is it. This is the day we get the first science images back from the James Webb Space Telescope. And you've got a front row seat to the cosmos. I'm Michelle Thaller, your host for what can only be described as a celebration for everyone on Earth. So think about this. Light from the earliest days of the universe has been traveling to us for billions of years. Just over the last few weeks, we've captured some of that light with a telescope that sees the universe in an entirely new way. And today we share the very first results. So longtime space fans are going to know who this is. This is Dr. John Mather. He's the senior project scientist for the Webb Telescope and a Nobel Prize winner. And John, I couldn't be happier to be here with you today. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here for this very special day. How are you feeling? I am thrilled and I'm relieved because, you know, when you start something this big, you know there's always a possibility. It might not work. It did work. We are so proud. And you've been on this project for a very long time, right? Yeah, started in 1995. We had just finished measuring the Big Bang. We measured it with a cosmic background explorer satellite that we built right here at Goddard. And we measured the spectrum. We measured there are hot and cold spots in the Big Bang. So we said, now we know it all, how it all got started. But then what happened after that? So then I got a call from NASA headquarters. Would I like to work on this new telescope that's going to help answer those questions? What happened after the Big Bang? How did the galaxies grow? How did the first black holes grow? What happened all the way from there to here? So this is our time machine, and I just wanted to be part of it. I am so thrilled that we got a chance to do it. You know, one of the things that I remember you saying, and this is kind of amazing, that you know, after you win the Nobel Prize, you thought that this mission was the most important thing to work on. Absolutely. It's the next question. After you know how it started, what happened then? And, you know, when suddenly we now have the technology to do it. We didn't have 50 years ago. didn't have the technology 25 years ago, even when we started this. We had to invent things along the way, so we did that. And here it is. Well, thank you. We'll be back to you in just a moment. So at the moment, we're going to talk about the way that Webb is a completely new way to explore the universe. So today, the mission releases its first science images and gives wings to the dreams of so many people who worked so hard for so long to make this possible. For everyone on Earth, this is your telescope. So there are multiple the largest, rods. There are multiple goals, obviously, it's whenever you put an instrument like this uh, up, uh, different scientists. How do they get access uh, to images from the web? How do they decide what the web looks like? Well, so they set up a peer review panel uh, in Maryland, I believe, to look at all the proposals from all over the world. So this is really a gift to the whole planet. This isn't just a U.S. mission, even though it's a NASA mission. There's well, proposals ESA that would come in from everywhere. Too, right? The European yeah. Space Agency. Is yeah, and, and a bunch of other groups. But, you know, the thing that's so cool about it is they said, look, anybody can submit, including grad students. They've anonymized the proposals so they won't be biased by big names or Nobel Prize winners. If it's a good proposal, it gets time. So you and I can submit one if we want. And uh, their, their primary targets in the first six months, as uh, were explained to us by Mark Clampin, who's the chief of this division at NASA Goddard in the uh, This Week on Space podcast, uh, is to obviously look at the oldest and furthest and most distant things they can see. reason they want to do that, besides just making that milestone, is to see objects in the earliest stages of their formation, so galaxies, stars, 
potentially exoplanets really in their youngest phases because we've never seen that before. So this telescope, as we've talked about, can look back to within about one to 200 million years of the Big Bang. So we're looking at the children of the universe, if you will, and seeing them at their very, very earliest stages. So that's the main thing. But closer to home, they're going to be looking at Jupiter because they're trying to study and understand the cloud structures there and learn more about things like the Great Red Spot. And they're going to be looking at comets. And, of course, they're going to be looking at exoplanets. And it's it's worth bearing in mind when this telescope was first being designed. We Hold on didn't a second. I just want to hear, I want to hear a little sure. bit about... They're really having trouble with their stream, aren't they? <laughs> and so naturally, we're also going to be visiting the nerve center of this mission, the Space Telescope Science Institute so on the campus of Johnson. We should talk whatever it's propaganda. I'm sorry, uh, PR for NASA. But when there's actual when there's actual science, I would like to hear what what they say. Of course. So we'll be back with our international partners shortly, where they'll each reveal one of the new images. <laughs> Just figure out how to get them joined by on the millions of science fans from around the world. Many <laughs> they need the tech guy. Well. So here we are really going international. So I'm beginning with Bhopal, India. Do we have a signal from Bhopal? Yes. Excellent. Welcome to NASA. It's working. Hello, everybody there. Hello. Wonderful to be where talking to you today all the way in India. And, of course, they don't have very good cameras in India, so we're getting a terrible image. Later, yes. Yeah. Great to meet you. Hi. <laughs> Their bandwidth looks miserable, huh? <laughs> we're also, also no, I'm just joking. So uh, and they have no lights in Oregon, so there you <laughs> go. Can see there? Hello, Portland? <laughs> They're at an auditorium, I see. Okay, okay next we're going to go off to Milan, Italy. <laughs> So afternoon in Italy, do we have the feed from Italy? Somebody's yep. sweeping the stage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's uh, dark in Italy today. I, there we go. And there's about 12 so people. Vermont? Hello, Vermont. Vermont. Oh, that's Vermont. Oh, love the hat on the left. Oh, yeah, dear. left shark is ready. He's, he's, uh, he's ready to go. <laughs> going even a little bit further afield, we have Netanya, Israel. Hello. Nice. Hello, Israel. And I think there are people all over the world who are, who are really excited about these images. Yeah. Um, okay, and just one more for now. Uh, I, I see people like giving me hugs. The image that <laughs> okay, President Biden Vancouver, Canada. Hey, Vancouver. Showed Hi. Canada. Hi. See Canada is so far ahead of us. Look at that. Great so picture. Right across from the campus from me. Not so many people. Watch party taking yeah. place with members of the web team. So the wonderful thing is that they actually are people <laughs> that have worked on the mission. And they are I shouldn't mock. I shouldn't mock. Production is hard. It's it's very hard. Uh, although NASA is notorious for really good production, maybe not as yes. good as SpaceX, but they, yeah. Although you know, you still do see on NASA TV occasionally a couple of guys so in directors' chairs with a ficus tree and a paper drop behind yeah. them. So there's yeah. a little bit of Between public access TV going on there. Yeah. That's okay. I'm more interested in the science than the production value. Absolutely. So now it's time to start the main event. What we see over the next hour will be a collection of images newly processed by the Web Science team. Only a tiny handful of experts have seen the images so far. And I can tell you that we have been so excited to unwrap them for everyone. We will be releasing each image in turn in real time. As soon as you see it on this broadcast, it will be available for download on the Internet. On How the high res are these images the that we're we going to get to see? Are they? I don't actually know. By the end of the I know show, that the originals are very high res, but what they're going to send out, I'm not sure, because I'm so imagining they're probably concerned I'm about excited. bandwidth right okay, now. So let's do this. A lot of people signing up for the astronomy photo of the day, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I actually use it as wallpaper on one of my computers because I always like to see these pictures. Here's, here's the driving needle drop music. Yes. Yeah. 
We are in NASA. Okay, we're going to release the first image right here at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, Maryland. And we're just outside of Washington, D.C. NASA Goddard is home to the project office of the Webb Telescope. And the observatory portion of the telescope, the, the mirrors and the science instruments, were integrated and tested here before launch. So for many of us, including myself, seeing Webb come together bit by bit right in front of our eyes was an emotional and very inspiring experience. Smile. So it's kind of like a part <laughs> of us was out there with Webb right now. A million miles away. One of the things I love about scientists is they're so I'm like engineers. They're often just real people, not camera ready. And I love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's I far prefer it. And again, and the stream is stalled. Coaching. Lots of people want to watch this all over the world, of course. Yeah. Uh, as as so do I think, we. I think the first thing we're supposed to see is the Carina Nebula, which is one of the brightest nebulas. It's about 7,600 light years away. And that's uh, the place where we saw that famous Hubble picture called the Pillars of Destruction. Yeah. I think it was also yeah. the Fingers of God. So those are gas clouds, which are very pretty. Excellent what Hubble is. Yeah. Excellent wallpaper. Hubble can yeah. look through that gas, that dust, which is what creates that incredible image because it's being fluoresced by ultraviolet energy and start looking at some of the stars and the star clusters well, inside. Experience. So it's there kind of go. like a part of us was out Back. there with Webb right now. A million miles away, part of our hopes and dreams are out there. So I'm just... <laughs> this is, uh, I assure you, not just us. Uh, in fact, we're really trying to help NASA by offloading some of the viewership right. to our stream so that. Uh, uh, and you're on their direct feed, right? So it's kind of like a part of us was out go. there with Webb. We're right on the now. YouTube. Uh, a million feed, miles which, away, mm. part of our hopes and dreams are out there. I presume is going to be so as good I'm, as any. I went on to the NASA TV direct and I don't see it freezing in the other window. About the time All right, maybe we should uh, try that. Yeah, and then the search NASA the cluster, TV. We have. Uh, the cluster, I think YouTube the, would have plenty of, the gravity of, of the course, probably that's where the most viewership is. Warping yeah. Our view of what's so this is the image from yesterday. This is the picture so we already saw. Yeah. That yeah. The, cluster, the, the, the gravity like, of the like cluster is distorting warping our view of what's behind. And so there are these galaxies that look so we're switching uh, and right now, pulled by the gravity of like, okay. like they've been just magnified like because they've been magnified by the gravity of the cluster, just like Einstein said they would. And, you know, it's really, there's so much detail here. here we We're go. seeing these galaxies in a way that we've never been able to see before. There's just a sharpness and a clarity. Oh, that's a YouTube had. feed as well. And so we can look at, if we zoom <laughs> in on this Is image, it? and I encourage no, I you to yeah, grab this image at home, like zoom uh, in. Yeah. It's, it's on, the, on the NASA you know, TV website. Really zoom in and play around. There oh, are galaxies I see, here in which you're seeing yeah. individual clusters of stars yeah. forming, popping up, just Yeah, like, unfortunately that... John means um, you have to click the YouTube. Also see you have to click that, and then you can go full screen. And kind I of littered like jewels. John, I'm going to send you the, the link I'm using because I don't see any freezing going on there. Red galaxies. Now, that was what we built the telescope to do. The most distant of those are billions of years. We're seeing as they looked more than 13 billion years ago. And so wow. galaxies like that one right there, this little red guy, you're like, okay, yep. <laughs> what is that? Well, Webb got spectra to figure out what those galaxies are made of, and this is that one. We're seeing as it looked 13.1 billion years in the past. Amazing. Less than a billion years after the Big Bang. Look at that resolution. And we're seeing it's the elements bad. of that's oxygen. What, that's what Pluto looked like by Hubble well about neon. 10 years you know, ago. This is, the kind, this is how the oxygen in Perhaps our more important, you're getting the full in spectrum. Stars, in galaxies, and we're seeing that process yeah. get started. So you can see. So I, just, I want to give this a little bit of context. The chemistry. So, 
this is now the farthest away galaxy that we have this sort of detailed information about. That we know what it's made of. We know what it's made of. And this was not a long exposure for Webb. No, the, the... the, the, prev- the previous record holder, right, the Hubble uh, Extreme Deep Field, mm-hmm. was two weeks of continuous work with Hubble. Wow, and it was hours. just imaging. With Webb, we took that image before breakfast. The amazing thing about <laughs> Webb is the speed at which we can churn out discoveries. So That's everything perfect. that you're going to see here in this broadcast is a week. And we're going to be doing discoveries like this every week. Amazing. That is absolutely incredible, Amazing. Jane. So thank you so much for joining us. I, it's been an honor to be working with you. Congratulations on all your hard work. <laughs> thank you. It's so wonderful. And if I could just add, the web works so, 24-7, you, whereas Hubble today, only works so, yes, during the, the dark half of its orbit. So, so uh, it's going to be on all the time. Closer. It's a planet, but not one in our solar system. About. That we know what it's Remember, made of. We know that Earth and its sibling planets aren't the only show in the universe. When scientists and engineers started developing JWST, the search for exoplanets wasn't even part of the plan. That's changed. Exploring exoplanets is now a major component of the mission and the subject of our second big reveal of the day. I'm going to send it now to our friends Natalie Ouellette and Sarah Gallagher at the Canadian Space Agency in Montreal. So again, bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour. Bonjour. Ça va? I guess we're, we're, we're having a little... Bring in the bridge music. No, we're going to Montreal. Yeah, that's what's happening. There we go. <laughs> Kazoo. Go. Go. And roll. <laughs> roll it. <laughs> oh. Sorry for the brief uh, pause there. We're now going over to Canada. So there, she's still alive, but they're not. They're both. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, it really is, a, I think, a measure of the amount of interest uh, in this. Yep. We're all ready. Yeah. And okay, so you get the numbers. We're having some trouble with the signal the from Canada. Broke. But luckily for us, we, we can see exoplanets, but we can't get so Montreal. <laughs> She's uh, an exoplanet scientist at NASA. And we're going to talk about this amazing new result from a very well, they had hot a backup planet. Ready. That's good. I understand about so while, while, we're, while they're doing this, yeah. Oh, this is good. Her, her mic's not even on. This is Wasp 96B she's talking about, which is that hot Saturn I was telling you about. She's actually not wearing a mic, I know. So talk us yeah. through what this discovery Oops. is and, and why this is so significant. That was, that's how well, fast they... Uh, there reveal we go. that you're going to see is going to show the first spectrum of an exoplanet as taken from the Webb telescope. And this is exciting because it covers Presumably she's seen this light image. that we have not yeah. had access to before. On the so team. we've been able to use other telescopes to explore oh, exoplanet on. atmospheres in the infrared, but not to this level of detail. And this is just one sliver of data that Webb is providing us using the nearest instrument specifically. And there's something about um, infrared that is actually particularly good for, for the spectrum. So in this, in this case, what we're doing is we're actually going to take the light and break it up into a rainbow and look very, very carefully at how much color is coming in, in, each, in, in each part of the, the spectrum. So I believe we've got that, that water. image. We can put that up. Okay, yes. I, I believe we're revealing the spectrum right here. <laughs> so we now have our spectrum. We don't have the picture, but... This is exactly what you're seeing. As you just described, the, the spectroscopy 
What we did was we observed a transit of an exoplanet. We observed the planet as it passed in front of the star. Now, mind you, this is not a direct image. This is an indirect image. So we've seen the effect of what happens when the planet and its atmosphere passes in front of the star. The starlight filters through the atmosphere. And then you can break that down into wavelengths of light. And you get a bunch of what looks like bumps and wiggles to some people, but it's actually full of information content. So you're actually seeing bumps and wiggles that indicate the presence of water vapor in the atmosphere of this wow. planet. Yeah. Wow. So That's we a have big the one. spectrum of wow. Is there anything you'd like to, to highlight particularly? Yeah, absolutely. So we have um, several features marked here. It's only so I call them in the features. last few they, decades we even knew that these planets existed. That's what right. What you're seeing here is a telltale signature. It's a little surprising there's that much water considering how close it is to a toast star. In the, in the atmosphere of this specific exoplanet. And the other thing we can tell it's almost actually 2,000 degrees that there's Fahrenheit. evidence of clouds and hazes wow. because yeah. the water features are not quite as large as we predicted. So we can take that and infer that there are presence of clouds and hazes, right? Now, one thing that yeah, I really want to make sure people understand is Steam, that this particular probably. planet, this is a hot yes. world, is actually closer to its star than Mercury is to our sun. Mm-hmm. And so we're not wow. looking at liquid water here. But we're looking instead at, at, at sort of steam, water vapor. Yes, this is a, an exoplanet there you go. about the size of Jupiter, about half the mass of Jupiter. It orbits around a sun-like star, but it does it every about three How important years. is so the discovery of water? Hot, I mean, I know when we're talking like about water on our nearby okay. planets, because it's useful for fuel is, again, the first uh, down the road. Does it is it an indicator of life? Well, it's an indicator of potential for life. Although, as they had said before this broadcast, at that temperature, life would be a surprise. But life surprises us. You know, extremophiles are constantly surprising people. Um, They had assumed it would be a cloud-free atmosphere because it was so high in sodium. Wow! But apparently not. Wow! But a three of three and a half day orbit. I mean, think of that. Mercury is very close to the sun, and it's eighty-eight days. Like skimming that star, practically. Stay tuned for a lot more to come. Thank you so much, Nicole. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for telling us about the spectrum. And I'll, I'll be so, if water's on this today. planet, it seems yeah. highly likely that water so is uh, more big image a common element in the universe. I would guess. Science. Yeah. But I mean, first what are the chances we happen to hit on the one planet that had water? Right. <laughs> well, especially one that we would assume would be so that we wouldn't expect water vapor. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's uh, by itself uh, fascinating and important discovery. So, I think they put that up front because it's the only squiggly line science uh, image they were going to show. The rest of them are going to be optical images. Right. That was the one where they had data, but you, you know they have not yet imaged an exoplanet with right. this thing in terms of looking so they at the have, surface. So there are many cameras uh, on this uh, telescope, and they have each different uh, roles to play. Yeah, there's only a couple, actually, but they have so they have four main instruments, uh, but, a, but 17 different observing modes. It's kind of like ah, your sophisticated okay. Nikon SLR with all those settings, I right? See. They yeah. just finished calibrating the last of those different observing modes on uh, Sunday. So it's really ready to rock. And I bet these guys are just jumping out of their pants. <laughs> they could go. So some of the things they're looking uh, they're looking at different areas of the, of the visible and invisible spectrum. Um, in fact, I think that probably many of the images we see, the optical images we see, are, are corrected. And yeah, they have to be because they're all infrared, right? So uh, they're not it's, it's they're not visible light. in the infrared, yeah. right? Yeah, but uh, they make them pretty before they come out. And there it is. Look at all that mylar, 
All that thin, <laughs> thin, fragile mylar that deployed perfectly. That's the sun shield, right? To, to keep it from overheating. Yeah, yeah, it's five layers separated by a couple inches each. And they had to not only unfurl to the sides, but then they had cables and pulleys that had to pop them apart from each other to create this little, you know, space of vacuum in between. Yeah. And I still, you know, I know it's been a long time, but the fact that this thing worked just still blows me away. Unbelievable. Yeah. And worked 100%, right? There was no part of it that didn't work No glitches. No glitches. The only glitch they've had so far is they had... A larger uh, micrometeoroid impact in one of the mirrors than they expected, but it's well within the range of what it can survive and still work fine. Presumably throughout the life of the web, they're going to get impacts all the yeah, time. Yeah, because part of the thing about the Lagrange point is because it's a stable it's orbit, crap to attract yeah. a lot of crud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, yeah. even, even a dust particle at those speeds can cause you significant damage, but most of it's just going to end up punching holes in that thermal shield and they're going to be tiny. So as long yeah. as it doesn't tear for some reason, you're in good shape. But, you know, those mirror segments had to close within angles. Uh, when we were talking to Mark Clampin last week on the podcast, I thought it was something small, just it's sm- smaller than the width of a human hair. But he said, no, no, hundredths of a width of a human wow. hair. Wow. <laughs> that's how exacting it has to be. And that's why Precisely it's just only Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Now, These little tiny stepper motors and pistons doing all the work. On that first image, we saw... I don't know what you call those <laughs> starbursts coming off of that central image. We see them there again. Um, is that an artifact of the telescope? Those are usually artifacts of the support struts that hold up the secondary mirror. Ah, It's like uh, being diffracted by them. Yeah. And I don't recall how many struts are on the, the web secondary, but uh, that that is my presumption. So it's kind of like the, the bouquet that we see in a uh, camera from the Yeah, uh, yeah it's kind shutter. of an artifact. Yeah. I'm Alex they just put up a coming up next message. That was kind of weird. Paul Gordon, who is an astronomer and one of the key people in delivering the images that you're going to see here today. But actually, before we get into the amazing images, we're going to talk no, a little no. bit about where we are. <laughs> Not yet. sitting here outside of the Mission Operations Center which is the key the central club. hub for web. Yeah. For the past And you know months, the reason that there's a lot of this and there always will be is because you need funding and uh yeah. And yeah. you've got to get the American people excited about this so that Congress then votes money for it. Um so write your member of Congress and say yes. Uh, this is important. Yeah, and I was just reading a, a, a recent survey, some data last night from a recent survey, a meta survey actually. You know, they're constantly surveying the public's attitude towards space and towards NASA and the moon mission and so forth. And it's much worse than we thought. I mean, the percentage of people that really understand what's being done out there is tiny. And interestingly, as you move to millennials and younger people, there's much more fear of space and even space exploration than there is optimism. So our generation was raised during the space race, the go-go years, and we think this stuff is great. And younger people tend to think more about alien invasions and things falling out of the sky and so forth. So there's an education gap here that needs to be bridged. We're doing our part today. But uh, you're right. NASA has to constantly stump for funds because they don't just have have the public to keep happy. They have Congress to keep happy and the executive branch to keep happy. And that's a never-ending job. 
and I work on some of that stuff, and it's very carefully crafted. I could tell yeah. you. Yeah, I know you, you were at JPL. You did public relations for JPL. Yeah, yeah. Part of, and we do a book every year that goes specifically to Congress and the, and the president. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very honest, and it, there is science in it, but there's a but lot you've of... you've got to sell it. I, I description in there about how hard it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you've got to sell it. Uh, big science is... Well, remember, we were going to build a super collider in Texas, and... Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it got defunded, and um, unfortunately, of course, CERN, thank goodness, is you know, thanks to uh, the EU, is operational, and all the science we're getting from that. Well, and we were going to send humans to Mars in the 1980s. Yeah, and it's still a few years off. So it's always on a, uh, and I understand there are other, there are many priorities, uh, yeah. you know, for government budget, but. Uh, this is a relatively inexpensive thing that a, a government that can do and so important. Yeah, and, and the next big space telescope, which I hope they'll talk about at the end of the broadcasts, is called the Nancy Roman Nan, Nancy Grace Roman Wide Field Space Telescope. And it's got an interesting story behind it. Maybe we could talk about it later if we have time. It was kind of a actually a used telescope that they repurposed for a new mission. Wow. And it's going to be able to do some stuff that even the web can't, even though it's much smaller. We're basically translating light. Okay, show us the pictures. Never talk about process here. Yeah, which is good because this is what we were talking about earlier. And the reason yeah, they turn this into something we can see. There's actually more that you can get, more information that you can get from the image if you see it in color. So it's a matter of picking and choosing filters and colors that enhance the details and the structure in the image itself. The shortest wavelengths of infrared light and assign those blue colors. And then move our way down to green and red as we go to longer. It's like he's using uh, Photoshop or Lightroom. Additively combine those together to get our full color image. But there is a lot of aesthetics that are involved in this. Painstakingly going through and cleaning these images up uh, with an attention to detail, a level of detail like at the pixel level in every image. So when I'm working on the astronomical data, it is this sort of marriage between art and science. When you're choosing colors for the filters, you really are trying to show the different details and the processes that are happening in astronomical images. But at the end of the day, you want it to be very compelling. You want it to be very beautiful because space is beautiful. And after those images were processed, it was a select few of us, very lucky few of us, who got to see the first images. Oh, don't tell us that. <laughs> oh my God, look what you're seeing. It's amazing. So we have and us and nobody else. People who are producing these images. And we feel incredibly privileged. Can you make that star purple? I think it should be we're purple. We're the first to see these science-like <laughs> images. When, science when we like? saw the first data come down of real targets, look at how happy they people are. People were speechless, and they were emotional. Yeah, because we immediately said we see in tears. how amazing yeah, this observatory is. I can only imagine. The yeah. detail, the sharpness, the depth. And when we saw the first color images, we knew that we had a winner. It's like casual Friday there. And right? now we are ready <laughs> I think it's always, to see Webb's always casual first Friday. image of a star dying. Here we go. Planetary nebula called the Southern Ring. Mm. Let's do it. Oh, look at that. Look at wow. that. Wow. 
There's your desktop wow. wallpaper. Wow. That's a gas this, cloud around a dying star half a light year in diameter. Wow. 2,000 light tell. years away. Three trillion <gasps> miles across. Unbelievable. That's for comparison, incredible. our solar system is about 5.6 billion miles. So that is a big Wow. Okay. Cloud. Well, here we are. We have a near-infrared image on our left. We're on maybe your right. <laughs> and here on the right, we have a near-infrared image. Um, and so... I'm here with Carl, our, our astronomer uh, specialist. Can you tell us what we're looking at in these so you images? You can see it's punching through a lot of that planetary dust. Nebula. It's caused by a dying star that has expelled a large fraction of its mass over in successive waves. Okay, so we actually see those waves in these images. Yes. Um, wow, wow. And so there's a lot of structure. Can you tell us a little more detail about what we're looking? Maybe start with this one on the left. Yeah, so in the, in the near-cam image, you see this kind of bubbly, uh, you know, almost foamy appearance throughout screen, the whole nebula with some very structured yeah. uh, shells. There we go. There we but the, go. That's and not the left screen image. showing up in okay. orange mainly. And this is, this is due to Look the molecular that. hydrogen that's newly formed in the expansion, uh, just lighting up the gas and dust of this nebula. So and then the gas the actually fluoresces kind of very, uh, in the UV. In the Does it really? Region. Wow. And this yeah. is actually due to very hot that's ionized powerful, gas that, that emits well in the blue um, that's heated by the core, the leftover very hot core of this star. And what about these like rays that I'm seeing in this image? Right. There, so there's also rays in the outer regions that you can kind of see. And these are holes in the inner nebula so that are actually allowing the, the central star's light to come out and kind of light it up like, uh, you know, patchy clouds with the sun shining through. Wow. Oh, yeah. This is not a star that's gone so nova. Cool. This is not the um, after effect of a so nova. So you're actually a no. mid-infrared this astronomer, is just which is different than near-infrared. Matter and emitted so by the dying star. And so what can you tell star. us about the details of yeah. this mid-infrared image? Now, it may have so already gone is, nova. I don't know. Like but that, that gas is expanding um, at 9 miles per second. So we're actually seeing something in motion here. You see a lot of blue. The blue is actually due to hydrocarbon grains that are emitting very strongly in the blue for Miri. And they show the very similar structures to what we see in orange and near cam because the, the hydrocarbon, the molecular hydrocarbon actually forms on the surface of dust grains. And so again, as we move inward, we, we see that the inner region is again hot ionized gas, but now it glows red because that's where it emits longest for, the strongest for Miri wavelengths. Okay. And then as we go into the center, we see kind of the surprise for us, which is we knew this was a binary star, but we, ba we effectively didn't really see much of, the, of the, the actual star that produced the nebula. But now oh, in Miri, the star glows red because it has dust around it. So in Miri, we got to see both stars very clearly. Yeah, yeah, you can't see it in first image, really, but there's two stars there. So that's a fun need Alex Lindsay to produce these. And I think that there's another little Easter egg. <laughs> Who's asleep on the soundboard there? Yeah, <laughs> I totally so need is, Alex. Uh, the Easter egg is this kind of uh, narrow filament up in the up in the top that's radially aligned. You can kind of see it very clearly in the Miri image. It shows up as this blue, blue structure. And it points very much to the central sources. So I thought, oh, this must just be a density enhancement in the outer nebula. I thought that very, very strongly, but other people on the team were like, no, it's a background edge on galaxy. Well, I made a bet that said, no, it's part of the nebula. By the way, I lost the bet because then we looked more it's carefully. It's edge on galaxy. And Miri images, and it's very clearly an edge on galaxy with a dust Unbelievable. Mm. So I lost the bet. That. Well, you lost the bet. Good bet to lose. Gorgeous images. Yeah. So I think it's a win for everybody. Anything else you'd like to say today? I can't wait to see where we go from here. Oh, neither can I. All right. Thanks so much. Back to you, Michelle. Really stunning image. That should be the yeah. A-pod. That's a beautiful one. That is. And it's beautiful at any wavelength. Yeah. 
Thank you, we're back Alex at Goddard now. I have to say that image is absolutely spectacular. So as you know, people from all over the world are watching us today and joining in our, in our excitement as we release for Webb's first science images. We've been checking in with our colleagues in Europe and Canada throughout the program, but we also want to take a moment to include the people at the oh-so-many viewing parties scattered around the world like stars in the night sky. So let's check in with some of them now. First, we go all the way to Perth, Australia. Do like we have a signal from Perth? Stars in the sky. I guess nothing from Perth right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe we have some of our It's just so ironic that we now. can get these images from literally yeah, billions, billions of light years away. Miles away. Yeah. Billions oh, of light years away. Australia. There's Perth. Hey, waving to Perth, Australia. Thank you so much for Yeah, but us they're today. not moving. <laughs> and, uh, awe, in awe. There they are. Hello, Winnipeg. What? 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 That's Winnipeg. Sit up. Okay, Dayton, Ohio. Oh, come on. We're really here. Anybody. Anybody. We're here to see the pictures. Come on. Nice to have you here with us. There we go. Yes. Too many empty seats in that one. Switch off. They're jumping up and down. It looks like a planetarium. Okay, all the way back. Yeah, I think a number of these are planetariums, aren't they? Yeah, or museums at least. Everybody's leaving. Hello, Bangalore. Goodbye, Bangalore. <laughs> yeah, we have to go back to school now. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> yeah, but they are so excited in so, uh, oh, yeah. India yeah. and Pakistan about this stuff. We, we get a lot of those students every okay, year at our conference, and they are just good. energized. Good. I'm glad somebody is. They're on site to celebrate with us. It's JPL. Oh, hello, JPL. Yeah, it was JPL. My good morning, JPL. Pretty good showing for this hour of the day. Oh, they're excited to say it. It worked. It It worked. They built it. Yeah. Yeah. After all those tests that failed, it worked. All right, now there's also a big watch party right here on the NASA Goddard campus. Many of these people have worked on the mission itself. And we also hey, John, can you move the uh, Discord news channel up so that uh, so and I can uh, tell hello, people, come Goddard. on, let's go. Yay. Well, their local feed looks good. Okay, wonderful. So, I mean, at NASA, we are so fortunate to have all of these friends and colleagues around the globe. A major partner in the web mission is the European Space Agency. ESA contributions go. have been essential to so many aspects of this project, including Webb's spectacular launch on the Ariane 5 rocket last December. I'm very pleased to turn over the show for a few minutes to Katie Haswell. She's joining me from the European Space Operations Center in Darmstadt, Germany. Hello, Katie. Good afternoon. Thanks, Michelle. Sorry. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome to Germany. We're at the European it's Space Agency. Okay, so I'm still getting all kinds of ISB from lots of center. Yes, we are too, as a matter of fact. The satellites are a little bit uh, <laughs> of a cross between air traffic controllers and uh, pilots. We have lots of different control rooms here. This is the. How many main images uh, do they have to show us today? Do you know, A uh, total of five. To, uh, so we've seen. Okay, the so they're stretching this out a little bit. Yeah, so I think now we are down to the Carina Nebula and Stevens Quartet, which is that one we talked about from It's a Wonderful Life. So we've seen three of the five so far. Uh, The first one President Biden showed yesterday, we saw the second, which was merely a spectroscopic uh, image. Uh, And then the third one, the dramatic, uh, very beautiful uh, nebula. Yeah, that was spectacular. How far away is that? You said 2,000 light years? The Ring Nebula? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, just just under two thousand light years away. That's far away. Pick up the signal during the. But at not a billion light years away, so that's true. Billion light years away. It's really kind of remarkable. Thirteen. Yeah. Is two thousand light years considered our neighborhood? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. When, you when, you, when you're on that scale, is it in the? Yeah. Is it in our galaxy? Whoa! Look at look at that. They're all they're all happy about something. Maybe that was when they unfurled the. Uh, you got to be truly exuberant to have those kind of hugs in Germany. I think. I think so. Yeah. On board the awesome Ariane Five launch vehicle from the Guiana oh, that Space Center, the atmosphere in the oh yeah yeah was that makes sense electric. I can tell you, I was there. Um, they've also provided people. We have fifteen ESA scientists working at uh, Space Telescope in Baltimore, and also they camera. have provided the um, uh, infrared uh, spectrograph. I've piled the, the camera on, on two very thick Python books, but the mirror. <laughs> And not as stable as I was hoping. <laughs> that sounds like my setup. Include near spec, the near infrared spectrograph led by ESA. Near spec splits near infrared light from astronomical objects into its components. Like a barcode, this will help scientists understand the physics of the objects they're really? observing like a from their temperature to really? atomic makeup. Neospec can observe that could have been a little more creatively phrased, huh? Like a barcode? Image slicer you mean like a spectroscope? Microscopic uh. shutters. Webb's integrated science instrument module, located behind the main mirror, also contains MIRI, a mid-infrared camera and spectrograph. Seen here during testing, MIRI's been developed by a partnership between Europe and the US. MIRI detects mid-infrared light from planets, stars and galaxies. It can analyse molecules to help us deduce what astronomical objects are made of and peer into clouds of gas and dust where stars and planets are born. Together, these instruments will help Webb detect and analyse light from the very dawn of time, revealing the universe That sounds so much better in an English accent. The very Doesn't dawn it? of time. But everything does. So. Everything does, yeah. So. So, let's get ready <laughs> so? to reveal our image. And remember Finally. that one of Webb's jobs is to find out about galaxies. More about the galaxies, but also to help us to understand how they change. And this image is going to be very, very useful for that. Let's reveal it now. There it is. It's called Stefan's Quintet, and it's wondrous. Oh, there Giovanni, it is. what are we looking at? So this is way better than it did in the movie. So we are looking yeah. at five galaxies. This is galaxies where the angels are, get their wings uh, in uh, that's right. life. Every yeah. time somebody rings a bell. around us in the universe, they contain from million to hundred billions of stars. So is this four fact, galaxies we're looking one at? Of them, the There's actually five, and, and five four of them are actually in relatively close closer, proximity, and then the fifth one is much closer galaxy, to us, so it's just embarrassing. And these four are uh, at a distance of about uh, uh, 300 uh, million light years from us, and they're locked in a close interaction, a sort of cosmic dance driven by the gravitational force. Um, you can Most of the science here, of these uh, comes the not from the optical images. You don't, uh, right? you don't have 
this is a very pouring over these with a hand lens. And both, but but spectra is really the big winner here. These are these objects are expected to merge at some point in the distant future. And I was saying, four are being drawn together by their by their gravitational fields. Right, and they're those four about two hundred ninety million light years. The fifth is between us and them and it's only 40 million light years uh, so you know so it's just basically like somebody's head in, in the way in universe in, in intergalactic range i guess that's a fairly close neighbor yeah yeah the galaxies in the the merging galaxies they think that the wispy tails indicate violent interactions from the past between these objects uh, sort of tearing each other apart so yeah. we're actually seeing the process of creation of new stars in this region. Will they also uh, do images separated in time to kind of get some sense of the movement? Well, it's, it's you know, from this vantage point, it's like, you know, distant object parallax, right? It so, takes so long for things to change that unless you're yeah. looking at something like a supernova, it would take many, many, many hundreds of years to, to see much of anything. So I don't, I don't really think that's a priority. The priority is the sky is a big place and there's so much you want to see. Let's get right? as many sure, images as we can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the proposals have to be filling entire rooms at this point oh, yeah. if they printed them out. Or hard drives, if not. Exactly. Because there's a lot of people who want time on this machine. There of the stars predominantly now in the mid infrared with Miri alone. We see mostly gas and dust. So we've seen the same galaxies again. Oh, that's interesting. They image it with two different cameras. And we also see something very interesting up at the top here because this top galaxy has something new and bright in the middle of it. And Giovanna, tell us what that is. Yeah, that's an active black hole. We can see the black hole itself. But we see the material swirling around, being swallowed by these sort of cosmic I guess monsters. That's that, that bright object gets, to the upper uh, right. This gas gets oh, that's heated incredible. to extremely high temperature as it falls onto the black hole, and it becomes very bright. In fact, this is our shine. the galaxy here. We see uh, luminosity that are 40 billion times the luminosity of our sun. What? Really, Oof. really bright. And uh, with NIRSPEC, we can zoom day in Phoenix into right this there. area. <laughs> and we have this technology that allows us to take uh, m- m- thousands of images, different wavelength channels. Oh, you can see uh, the, wave, the see different the, wavelength uh, images at the yeah. bottom. That's cool. This distribution of the gas, what's going on in the gas uh, in different regions uh, of, of this core area. And understand uh, the composition of the gas, the velocities, um, the temperature. So that's imp- very important to understand the physics. So it's, it's giving us so much information. And it just shows the power of this telescope. Mark, this is just the beginning, though, isn't it? I think that's a very important takeaway from today. You know, we, these are like pictures just taken over a period of five days, and every five days we're getting more data, which will contribute more in that, in that direction. It's a culmination of decades of work, but it's just the beginning of decades. NASA and will you know, make what we've all seen of these today images, with these images for download. Is essentially uh, that we're ready now. This telescope is working fantastically well. So we can really and, you know, look to, at them to, to borrow a phrase from a famous rock yeah. musician, you know, we're ready to turn this telescope On up your to big monitors. It really is time. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed both of you back to you michelle this may get me to finally buy a nice big monitor thanks katie it's so great to have your colleagues with us on this historic day 
So before we get to the fifth and final image reveal of the day, it cannot be said enough that an achievement like the James Webb Space Telescope is something bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than any organization. So webweb.nasa.gov is of where us. these images And starting today, the discoveries uh, start and they're not going to stop. In fact, I'm looking this at the image we just uh, saw. We've said several times throughout uh, the broadcast that the web mission is about people. And if you look at it people. full width, it and is the the great nice and high resolution. And you can really see those four, uh, gal- five galaxies. It's really dramatic. And looking they're also the posting it on a Flickr. The highest quality image that they're offering no, it's fabulous. Huge. Yeah, it's twenty four oh eight or twenty forty eight by seventeen seventeen. But uh, big enough for I have your desktop for sure. Although I haven't checked yet, they did direct us to uh, for for most of these to go to jwst.nasa.gov as well. Oh, okay, all right. The Flickr actually has the photo in all sizes. That's probably the best place, right? Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, here for private enterprise. Yeah. You're on. Okay, it's time now for the last image <laughs> well to be revealed. Here All we right. Go. Again with the music. <laughs> ah, yeah. Starburst. Same piece. This should be the Carina Nebula. <laughs> so this will be 7,600 light years away. Some of the largest and youngest stars in our galaxy. So this is relatively so close. So Amber Strawn is Webb's deputy project scientist. He's here with me today to share the final big reveal of the day. So Amber, it is so good to see you. How are you feeling? Oh, so great. So exciting. What a, what a great day this is. Yeah, so one of the things that we're going to do is before we get to the final image, the James Webb Space Telescope has taken us all over the universe today. So let's do a quick review of where we've been so far. So Jane Rigby got us rolling with an extraordinary These images uh, on Flickr are just gorgeous. Highly recommend. Yeah, this image uh, really does demonstrate that JWST can do exactly what we designed to do. I guess I'm going to need three monitors yes. now. And yeah. uh, the Canadian Space Agency then took us to the massive planet WASP-96b, where the team has detected evidence of atmospheric water. And here again, we're seeing the incredible Amazing. efficiency of this observatory. We're able to do these kind of measurements in a fraction of the time that we are that were able shot. to before. And then 12 hours. The from NASA Goddard to the Space they Telescope Science 12 hours. Institute, where Alex and Carl showed us the exquisite Southern Ring Nebula, a mixing bowl of stellar matter around a pair of dying stars. Yeah, and I'm just blown away by the level of detail we can see, like in the outer part of, of this nebula. It's incredible. Wow. Okay. After that, it was off to Germany, where the European Space Agency wowed us with pictures of galaxies interacting and mixing together. Right, and this image, again, it's just, it's incredible because it's showing us one of these fundamental processes of the universe, how galaxies merge together, and we're able to learn about these processes in a brand new way. (laughs) So the web team has a lot to cheer about right now. So across the campus, there's this big watch party, and we can feel the excitement all the way from over here. So let's join that celebration. They didn't so spend a lot of time on that image. John Mather, no. Along with the head of NASA and they're, uh, they're, and they're riffing to show, before they show the last one. Yeah. Oh, they still haven't shown it. All right. Yeah. That's a bunch of happy people. That's not just a bunch of sleepy kids. Those people worked on it. No, yeah, these are the... So, uh, John, we looked around they're the world. They're dressed in suits. We're the only ones with the cheerleading <laughs> yeah. crew. Like, over there, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, look, uh, you've been with this mission for decades. Uh, how do you feel today? I am so thrilled and so relieved. This was so hard. <laughs> and we took, it took so long. Um, it's just impossible to convey how hard it really was. 
that we risked so much to say we're going to go do this, and it's so near impossible, but we did it. Yeah, thousands, really amazing. Thousands of ways this can go wrong, and just getting it out to L two was such an achievement. Worried about and and frankly feared even after launch. Have to tell you, it's almost a million kilometers. Really, really nervous, and Uh, you know, it's almost like athletics for me. You and how how many minutes does it take? A million miles, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, the signal should only take a matter of seconds. The moon's about okay. one and a half seconds away, so probably six, ten seconds. Yeah, that's, okay. that's difference between the two of us. I always worry. Although I imagine I that these images uh, are taking some time to send. I don't oh, yeah. The bandwidth is. Uh, you know, really but the data has got to just be you know, a huge mass, right? Bill and yeah. Scott and yeah. uh, Greg talking about the team that is there. I think what's also important is to recognize that Bernie is sitting there. It was the first uh, manager. I was sitting there. Could you stand up? And. Uh, and I want to mention so that Phil the bandwidth manager uh, also during a time is no longer with us, but uh, his heart is with us today. Oh. Bandwidth actually is up to 28 megabits a second, so it is it can be quite fast. So the web is a million miles from Earth, give or take, so more kilometers. Uh, radio signals take 5.4 seconds each way. That's pretty quick. That's a lot easier than talking to Mars at 8 to 15 minutes. I am just so thrilled that we had a privilege to assemble such a brilliant team. Uh, we drew from the best of the best, and here we are. So my extreme deep thanks go to all the people who built that team. So it's capable of sending 57.2 gigabytes a day at a maximum of 28 megabits. And then when we didn't have that's way better than my upload speed. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a significant amount of data. It's, I, I feel shamed. So I'm, I'm internet shamed. <laughs> and here we are. We have the support of the country and the world to take on this immense challenge. You know what I'm most excited about? There's tens of thousands of scientists, and frankly, some of them just got born or not even born. Yeah. Uh, so John Arnold and our uh, nobody's bored. John Arnold in our chat room is asking, uh, as I did, about the starburst around the images. Can you can you explain that again? It's it's from the struts on the telescope. I believe those are from if you've done much astronomy uh, with a reflecting telescope. So you have the main mirror, and then you have a little secondary mirror. So the main mirror focuses on the secondary, and the web's built the same way. The struts that hold that secondary interfere with the light and create diffraction patterns. What puzzles me is there's, I think, four struts on the web, and there's six diffraction rays, so there hmm. must be something else at work there. But that's traditionally what those come from. Yeah. And All right, here we go. Rid of. Last image. Here we go. The big reveal. Oh, my God. And that's why they wow. saved it for last. Look at that. Carina Nebula. So, Amber, can you, can you tell us a bit about what we're seeing here? Of course. This stunning vista of the cosmic cliffs of the Carina Nebula reveals new details about this vast stellar nursery. Today, for the first time, we're seeing brand new stars that were previously completely hidden from wow. our view. Is yeah. something you want to point out here? Absolutely. So, honestly, it what took me a while to even figure out what to call out in this image. There's just so much going on here. It's so beautiful. One thing that really, really stands out to me is you sort of get this sense of depth and texture from this new data. Um, there's just there's a lot oh going on. God. To call out a few specifics, 
First of all, in general, the Carina Nebula is a nearby star-forming region within our own Milky Way galaxy, about 7,600 light years away. Um, and in this view, we see some great examples, first of all, of hundreds of new stars that we've never seen before. We see examples of bubbles and cavities and jets that are being blown out by these newborn stars. We even see some galaxies sort of lurking in the background up here. We see examples of structures that, honestly, we don't even know what they are. Like, what's going on here? There's just, there's, the data is just so rich. And there's something really special about the infrared. Infrared can actually see deeper into these star-forming regions. Absolutely. That's one of the great things about infrared is it really does reveal uh, what's going on here in a, in a really cosmic sense. It's almost, you can and see in through general, the clouds. what's happening in sort of this overall landscape is we have these gigantic, hot, young stars up here to the top of this rim. And the radiation and stellar winds from those stars is sort of pushing down and running into all of this. This is gas and dust. And of course, we know that gas and dust is great raw material for newborn stars and baby planets. But there's a flip side to this story and also a little bit of a mystery because these same processes can serve to sort of erode away this material and stop star formation. So we have this sort of delicate balance going on of new stars being formed, but at the same time, the star formation is being halted. And for me, when I see an image like this, I can't help but think about scale. You know, every dot of light we see here is an individual star, mm. not unlike our sun, and many of these likely also have planets. And it just reminds me that, you know, our sun and our planets and ultimately us were formed out of the same kind of stuff that we see here. We humans really are connected to the universe. We're made of the same stuff in this beautiful landscape. And actually, the Korean Nebula is one of my favorite images from Hubble. So Hubble looked at this as well, right? That's right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The Hubble image of this is also spectacular. We saw it in a, a different kind of light when, when Hubble oh, uh, look at the difference. image of this, of this Holy uh, cow. particular nebula. Yeah. And then you can see amazing look at things the Hubble, but when we zoom in to Holy this new cow. image, we're able to see so Ugh. much more detail. And of course, all of us, you know, I grew up <laughs> on Hubble, and all of us uh, love Hubble. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see what these two amazing observatories are able to do really in tandem with each other. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. And again, congratulations. It's been a what pleasure to be working on this with you. I, I'm just amazed by what's been going on. Thank you. This is, uh, image so is interesting that, because it's both beautiful on its own, but it's rich in scientific so information. And, uh, and, you know, I think sometimes they show the most pretty stuff so we can make it our desktop wallpaper. But this clearly, to be able to see stars being formed and brand new stars is hugely valuable uh, to help us understand our own origins. I just sent John uh, the equivalent telescopic photograph taken from a large telescope on Earth. And your jaw is going to drop when you see the difference. Unbelievable. What an image. Uh, and that's just five images. And as I said, yeah, 58 gigabytes a day coming uh, down to us from this amazing telescope. What a success. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mr. Nelson's got to be very happy. And we don't who is who is he? This is Bill Nelson. He's the former senator and now the NASA chief administrator. In the words of the famous Carl Sagan, somewhere, 
something incredible is waiting to be known. <laughs> I think those words are becoming reality. Quite, Absolutely. quite Thanks, moving. Thanks, An honor to have you here. Thank you very much. Wow. So, what a great time to be the NASA administrator, right? I mean, this thing's yeah. been the bill for 25 years to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You are, yeah. Wherever you are, Although, this is your a little setback on the Falcon yesterday. I think the they had an explosion. Oh, it was the Starship yeah. down in Boca Chica. Starship, I mean. I yeah, they had, yeah, it was a gas fire. It wasn't that big a deal, but there was some damage, yeah. This broadcast is a joint effort. Nevertheless, that's, you know, that's more for the course. That's what happens. Yeah, and that's what happens with the stars. You're going to have, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a few right. hiccups along the way, but man, we are we are blessed to be able to see these amazing uh, images. Five images from the Webb Telescope, the first of many, many images. Now the uh, the the battle begins with scientists trying desperately to get there. A few seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the web. Um, it's a probably too early to say what we have learned from these five images, uh, but I think you can get a pretty good idea of the kinds of things we might be able to learn. And certainly from that spectroscopic image, the yeah. surprise already to see uh, water in any form on a on a planet that's uh, two thousand degrees uh, did you, Fahrenheit or centigrade. I guess it does at that temperature it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's really hot, and it's something hot. they're going to be able to do. Uh, with this telescope that has always been a challenge before, it's got a coronagraph on it, which is basically a, a metal shield that will block out the star image so you can see planets next to it as Very long as they're exciting. in the right configuration. Yeah. And they'll be able to track the temperature profile, if it's a rocky planet especially, the temperature profile of the surface as it orbits the planet. So as it's coming near to go in front or behind it and then leaving the other side you'll be able to track the temperature changes learn something about the atmospheric composition and also the rock mass below so while direct imaging is going to still be a challenge they'll be able to do some but it's really the spectra that's the the most sensational and then watching the heat profiles as these things change position and to give you an idea of of how much progress we're making it was always wondered, I, I remember vividly, are there exoplanets? Are there other planets yeah. on other stars? And it wasn't until 1992 that we verified that. And that was a huge step to say, yes, it turns out there are other planets. And now, of course, the search begins for planets like ours, uh, for life on those planets. Uh, and this is going to be a huge benefit uh, to detecting at, you know, atmospheric components and, and so forth on these uh planets do you think we'll find a habitable exoplanet well it kind of defines how you define habitable i think we'll find exoplanets that demonstrate habitability for potentially for extremophiles probably talking about microorganisms here in terms of habitability for human beings that's a much taller order and you know part of the problem in in doing that is you need a planet out in the goldilocks zone so it needs to be significantly further from the star than any of the ones we're looking at so far um, so they're harder to observe. They have longer orbital periods and so forth, but they are going to be focusing on TRAPPIST-1 pretty soon, which is that star system that has, I think, seven planets orbiting around it, and three, depending on how you look at it, three to three and a half of them are within the so-called Goldilocks zone or the habitability <coughs> zone. So that's going to be a big moment when they get a, a good look at TRAPPIST, which is something we've been watching for a long time. 
um, you know, that's got to be very high on their list of priorities. And of course, one of the things they'll be looking for is liquid water, not steam. Right. Uh, and uh, while, I mean, if you read a lot of science fiction, I think, uh, you know, the phrase carbon-based life form. Uh, right. They may not be the only forms of life in the universe, but uh, certainly water is a prerequisite for that. Well, that was something interesting when we were talking to um, the gentleman that came onto the podcast a week ago, two weeks ago now. He was talking about the almost kind of scientific arrogance that surrounds the idea <laughs> yeah. of life on exoplanets. And he said, you know, we're fully aware now that we have to really open our minds up to all kinds of alternative forms of life. And I mentioned the Viking life science experiments back in the 70s, which were amazing for their time, but they were designed in the 60s. And it was really pretty much a matter of scooping up some sand depending on which experiment you're talking about. But the basic idea was we'll inject a liquid in there and see if microbes respond to it by giving off gas with a radioactive signature. And it didn't work as far as we know. One may have, they still don't know for sure. They think it was just a chemical reaction with the soil. But it was really basic and it was based on the idea of everything being like microbes on Earth. Now that we've seen so much more in terms of you know, there are critters that live under the surface of rocks in the Antarctic. There are creatures that live down by these these black smoke or heat vents in the ocean, on the floor of the ocean, and thousands of degrees of heat. So there's a lot more awareness of all the alternatives. You know, life tries to find a way, right? If it gets yeah. started, it just goes bonkers and finds a way to survive. So that's what's going to be so exciting when you start seeing these, these, these um, gas signatures in this spectroscopy. And hopefully there's we'll two- see a biosignature somewhere. They, the, uh, the spectroscopy we saw today uh, was due to a transit, which is fascinating. It's a planet going mm-hmm. across the, the face of its star, and it's in that transit that you can see uh, what the atmosphere of the uh, planet is. And it's like, that was just fascinating. And of course, well, and the fact two, that they can subtract that out from that intensity that's amazing, of light, isn't it? It's yeah. amazing. It's all yeah. about contrast and and yeah. computation. And man, the computers at at Goddard and other places must just be smoking at this point, <laughs> evaluating all this data. And of course, uh, those two uh, uh, images of Nebula, which are of course always the most beautiful uh, astronomical yeah. images, just mind boggling. Uh, not necessarily well, like, scientifically, but but just gorgeous to look at. And, and that's important. And that's what was so wonderful about Hubble and what's going to be wonderful about this. And, of course, we've still got Hubble. So we've got these two instruments now working. This The uh, Nancy Grace Roman Wide Field Telescope, which is smaller than than uh, it's about the size of Hubble, so it's much smaller than Webb, but it's designed for looking at wide fields. It's not a, a high magnification instrument, but that'll be sending us other deep field infrared images. And, you know, this is for NASA, the gift that just keeps giving. If you want to touch people emotionally, if you want to talk to their hearts instead of just their minds, you bring out these incredible pictures of deep space objects, and it has been such good public relations for them. And especially with the international component, the fact that any anybody in the world, with some limitations for you know trade law and so forth, but but basically anybody in the world can submit something and at least get it considered. So that's uh, it. Truly, is a gift to everybody. It's amazing, John. I don't know if you have all five of the images that uh, we just saw. Uh, I put a link in the show notes, or rather, uh, in the chat IRC chat to the Flickr site where all five images live. I think it'd be fun to wrap this up with just a one-by-one look at all five uh, of the images that uh, we just saw. 
uh, in full screen. I don't know if you can do that, John. I, I know he's trying really hard. I'm, I'm imagining the sound of a <laughs> of an ectographic slide projector in the background of my uncle's living room. <laughs> Here comes the next one. The big fan. Here we are at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> what a slideshow, though. I'll tell you what. Uh, oh, my The most gosh. amazing views in the history of mankind. Here there is are. the. Uh, there are uh, all five of them. Uh, actually, there's six there because they're showing side by side the Hubble compared to this is the most recent uh, one they showed this incredible star uh, nursery where where uh, nebula where stars are being mm-hmm. born and those stars above the cloud are actually the newest uh, stars That's quite the amazing Korean nebula yeah yeah just just unbelievable this is the uh, five, quartet five quintet really because quintet what, quintet, there's sorry. a head that gets in the way, <laughs> uh, a galaxy that's uh, in, interposed between us and the four. Right. Uh, it's like Mystery really Science amazing. Theater 3000. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there's another image of that. I don't, I'm not sure how this differs from the first image. Um, that's the same quartet, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if one of those is the Hubble image or if it's just different. Maybe it's the Hubble, oh, yeah. The same. Yeah, I yeah. think this is the, that's, I think that's the web this is the web for sure because you recognize yeah. those one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, they are web. Uh, okay. Starbursts, but they're different instruments of the web. So, yeah, really interesting. Okay, one's the wide. Really interesting. Infrared. And they're, uh, oh, what a gorgeous view. There's the Southern Ring Nebula. And that's the that's the image you want. That is that is wallpaper mm. quality. That is amazing. And the same uh, telescope, but two different uh, instruments on the telescope, giving you different views. This is a ah look at that the binary yeah, star is, right, right in, the in the middle yeah. look at that wow wow uh, all of these images the best quality is on Flickr look for NASA Webb Telescope that's the Flickr account W E B B NASA Webb Telescope and uh, all of these images are available in uh, in the highest resolution that NASA is allowing now us that, to download. That's the image that you want to see in space and not growing on your arm, right? <laughs> yes. That would be, be a bad afternoon. I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. And here's um, the spectra from WASP-96B. Unbelievable, yeah. That's some really amazing images. Water, water, water. Water, water everywhere. And there are full descriptions uh, underneath each of these images uh, so that you can see or know what you're seeing, uh, the distance. That one just blows my mind. Gravitational lensing is always an amazing thing, but to see it, you know, that actively at work and to know that that's why those are smears, those smears, that's as a result of the bending of the light coming from those galaxies around the foreground objects. So all those little smears are galaxies way, way, way further away than the foreground one, which is the combined mass of the galaxy cluster acts as a gravitational lens, bending light rays from more distant galaxies behind it. But also the main mass, just a reminder that, right, right, exactly. So the main mass, yeah, otherwise we wouldn't see them. The main mass is 4.6 billion light years. And then the ones in the background, the oldest ones in the background are closer to 13. So that's how much magnification you can get from gravitational lensing. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, again, as you point out, you're looking back a couple of decades, this is just a theory. And then they started using it. And now it's routine. Yeah. 
And they just start targeting yeah. things because they know they can get gravitational lensing in this magnification. Incredible. It's a, a whole new way of doing business. It's full of stars, and uh, and we are going to learn a lot more. <laughs> said David Bowman. Yes. Very well said. Uh, a lot more about them. I, I'm not quoting Sagan. I'm quoting Arthur C. Clarke, but <laughs> it's it's much the same. Thank you, Rod Pyle, uh, editor-in-chief at Astra. You probably have to go out and write a few uh, articles now, and I, I wish you the best. <laughs> Some uh, yeah. Really appreciate your being here. Uh, of course, Rod uh, does the uh, fabulous This Week in Space show. Tarek was, uh, is still in Singapore, but when he gets back, uh, I'm sure you two will have a lot to talk about. I'm sure Tarek is watching oh, in will. Singapore. Uh, make sure you tune in for that. Twit.tv slash TWIS for This Week in Space. And of course, Rod joins me every Sunday on the Tech Guy show. Not this Sunday, because I will be on the Twit Cruise. But Yay. a week from Sunday on the 24th, we can talk more about this. A well-deserved yeah, vacation, my friend. It ain't no vacation. I got 120 Twitch fans to entertain. <laughs> well, that's true. I'm just, I'm just hoping the glaciers will be fascinating. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. That scenery ought to be sensational. Yeah, we'll have to compare notes when I get back from my substantially less comfortable Arctic trek. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, no what kidding. I saw, I, I, this is what you saw. I'll be I looking at rocks. I can't wait all about that. Yeah. You'll be looking no, at glaciers. When are you doing yeah. that? Uh, we leave August 1st. We get back on the 26th, I think. It's almost a whole so, month um, north of the uh, Arctic Circle. Yeah. Arctic Circle. Thank you, Rod Pyle. Uh, thank, thank you to you, John sir. Slanina, who got up early to come in and do this. We appreciate it, John. Thank you. I know John's thank as excited you, John. about this as, as we all are. Thanks to our chatters who joined us in the Discord and the IRC. Uh, thank you for uh, letting us indulge our space fantasies. That's it for this Twit News special. Leo, I'm Leo thank Laporte. you for getting up. I'm going back to bed. No, oh, I know. But, I do have, thanks for doing uh, first it. I'm gonna, I appreciate first it. I'm gonna, first, I'm going to eat my breakfast, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Enjoy it. Bye-bye.